Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. all day, which might have been a leftover from getting two shots in this arm and two shots in this arm on Thursday, because I never like to wait till the last minute to do stuff before I go on mission trips, you know. And so I had to get shots, and they said one of the side effects was headache. Well, that might have been it. Um, also, whenever people grab you in that arm, you don't know how many times people grab you in their arms, you know, during the course of the week, especially after you got four inoculations. Anyway, those things were going on, and just getting ready for a trip. Um, every time I've gone on overseas mission trips, and I find out this will be my 24th one, there's spiritual warfare going on, because the devil does not want his message to be shared in the world. And then also, this message is a very difficult message, not only to deliver, but to hear, and to receive, and to do something about, and I know the devil doesn't want you all to hear this message. Now, one thing about the devil, he's not here today, at least I'm pretty sure he's not, because the devil can only be in one place at one time. I hope you know that. He's not like Jesus, who's always everywhere all the time. The devil can be in one place at one time. I'm pretty sure there's bigger fish to fry somewhere than here. But his demons are everywhere. So there's probably some of them around. But I learned a long time ago, humble yourself, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So that's what I was into, some spiritual warfare. And Bill prayed for me, and I still didn't feel very good, but I preached, you know, and then I went to bed, got eight hours of sleep last night, got up this morning, had my eggs and fruit, actually an omelet today because it's Father's Day, so I'm ready to go today. More importantly, I prayed a lot. Okay, so here we are in the middle of a series called Wise and Careful Living. It's the fourth of a seven-week series. Some of you here for the first time, so here's what we're going to do. Just like those TV shows that you watch where, you know, they're a series and you might have missed a week, so they always say previously on, you know, and then they show clips from what happened to catch you up. So, like, I, I remember when I was a little kid, I used to be sick every now and then. They had soap operas. I don't know if still they have those or not, but I'd be sick, you know, I'd miss a day of school, and so I'd watch a soap opera with my mom, and then three months later, I'd watch the same soap opera, and I knew exactly what was going on. But anyway, that's, that's a tangent. But, that, but anyway, here's what's been going on in this series so far, in case you were not here before, in case you missed one or two. Uh, the, we're going through Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. And as we work our way through one verse at a time, the very first week we did Ephesians 5.15, which says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And just as a sort of catch up for you all, I'm going to give you the first half of the take home point for that day, and you're going to fill in the rest, okay? So it was this, the wise care fools despair, that's right. The wise care fools despair. What we talked about that week is living carefully means living in the present and living with caution and accuracy in the present. Fools live with despair or regret of the past. They say, if only, if only I would have married that person or wouldn't have married that person. If only I wouldn't have committed that sin. If only I wouldn't have done, if only, if only, if only. That's despair of the past. The despair of the future, we call that worry. It's what if. 
What if I wouldn't have, what if I get cancer? What if I, if the stock market, what if, and, and so we worry and worry. We, we are fools if we despair about the past or despair about the future, but we're wise if we live carefully here and now. Okay, that's week one. Week two, we uh, read this verse. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The take-home point was the wise invest time, fools spend it. That's right. And we talked about uh, this verse, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And the reason we talked about that verse is I said that time can't really be evil, but people are. We are born evil. We are born desperately wicked. Our, heart, our, our hearts are deceiving. And deceiving is different than dishonest. Dishonest means I tell you a lie. Deceitful means I tell you a lie, but I make you try to think it's the truth. And that's what our hearts do. And we live in a world that's going to try to deceive us. So the wise invest our time in, first of all, trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And then secondly, of growing up to know his truth so that when the world lies to us or the devil lies to us, or most common, we lie to ourselves and try to deceive ourselves, we know the truth. So then last week, Pastor Brad, oh, that was where I told you all how scared I was, right? Because I was going to live 16 hours of, of the next day, investing 16 hours and then sleeping eight hours, which would be 24 hours. And I made that famous or infamous skid marks re- remark. Remember that? Okay, if you were here, you remember that. But anyway, I want to tell you a little update. The next day, I went out there and I lived 14 hours the way I had planned it. Two hours, not so much. And then I slept seven hours. So that was 21 out of 24 hours invested for the Lord. I felt pretty good about 21 out of 24 hours used for the Lord, invested for the Lord. Um, And I've been working very hard to plan my days because we know if we budget our time, we budget our money, it's much wiser than if we just let whatever happen, happen. So the wise invest their time and fools spend it. And then... Pastor Brad uh, taught us last week about this verse, verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And his take-home point was, the wise think and discern, fools never learn. I said, this, is, this happened all three services. You all have good long-term memory, bad short-term memory. Okay, but anyway, what Pastor Brad, remember, he gave us that little rhyme that we're supposed to think about the, the word of God and talk about Jesus and do the things he wants us to do because, because he, God wants us to. We think, say, and do, or, or think, yeah, think, talk, and do, I said say. Think, talk, and do because Jesus wants us to. All right, so that's what he talked about last week. Now, before we turn to today's verse 18, and we're gonna read all 18, 19, 20, 21 as we, we've read the whole passage, but we don't need to do that since we just went through the first three verses. Before we do that, I wanna give you the take-home point for today. It's this, the wise fill up with the Holy Spirit and fools fill up with spirits, small s. Now I found out this week that spirits technically are drinks that have an alcoholic content of 20% or more. So wine and beer technically are not spirits. That's why you have wine and spirit stores. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that till this week. All right, so wine and beer are not spirits, but for the sake of today's message, they are. Any alcoholic beverage. So the wise fill up the Holy Spirit, but fools fill up with spirits, all right? So I think this is probably gonna be the most controversial message in the series because who's gonna argue that we should live in the present? I mean, who's gonna argue against that? I mean, the despair of the past or worry about the future, it's wasting our life and nobody would say that's a good thing to do. 
And who's going to argue that we should spend our time instead of invest it? Everybody thinks that's a good thing to do. And who's going to argue, really, that we should think the way God thinks about stuff before we do it? But today, what I'm going to say, because of our culture, because we live in an addictive culture, what I'm going to say is the wise thing for an American Christian to do is to abstain from the consumption of alcohol and other drugs. That's the position that I'm going to take. And, and I didn't realize it, but Abraham Lincoln said this 150 so years ago. He said, alcohol has many defenders, but no defense. Alcohol has many defenders, but no defense. He was a wise person. And the same thing that happened at the last two services just happened. It got really quiet in here. Because a lot of people don't agree with what I just said. But we'll talk more about that. So here's the rest of the, uh, the passage, verses 18 through 21. Let's listen to the word of God. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your word, which is always true, and which, when we heed it, always moves us to become more like you. Today, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might discern your truth and live it powerfully this day and each day you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to focus on verse 18 today. We're going to do the same thing we have done the last three weeks. We're going to look at three different translations, the New Living, which we just read, and then the ESV, the English Standard Version, and then we're going to go to the original Greek text, and we're going to look at the translation from the original Greek text. So it says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the ESV says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it says in the MOT, which is from the original Greek, and do not get drunk with wine in which is not salvation. Asotia is the Greek word, which sotia means salvation, a means not. But be filled in, and the word holy isn't there, it just says the, even the word the isn't there, it just says spirit. Be filled in spirit, the spirit. So the reason I put that up on the screen, the reason I dug into that is because I found that very interesting, that it said if you get drunk with wine, it leads to not salvation. And what that doesn't mean is that if you've ever been drunk, you're not gonna be saved. What it means is if you get drunk on a regular basis and you just use that as your way of life, it will not lead to salvation. It's sort of like if we said after worship, let's all get in our cars and take a road trip to Florida. But we got out on the road and drove north. You see, you can't get to Florida by driving north from here. And it's the same way. If you get drunk every day, or get high every day, it's not gonna lead you to salvation. That's what the passage really means. And so it's, it's really the same thing. It says, don't get drunk with wine, because at the end of the day, that's not a good thing to do. And uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna talk more. In fact, that second half of that verse is so important that we're gonna have a whole message about that in, I think it's July. It's either July or August during our series called Living in the Holy Spirit. But today I wanna to focus pretty much on the first half of the verse. And what I said is that, uh, this could be the most controversial message in the series, and here's the reason why. Because given the addictive personality of our culture, I'm gonna say that we should abstain from the consumption of alcohol and other legal and illegal drugs for this reason, because our children are watching us. When, we're, when our children are small, they watch and imitate those they esteem and love. And the first people they watch and imitate are their parents and then teachers and then coaches and then celebrities and maybe not so much you know, church people. 
And, and then the reason I say children do that is because when they get into middle school and high school, they, they transfer uh, who they watch to their peers, and they start to do what their peers are doing unless they've already decided that their parents and their church people and others have led them well. But if their parents and others are already telling them that alcohol is either good or neutral, then they're going to hear from their peers that it's good, and they're going to say, oh, okay, let's do that, because they want to fit in. They want to be part of a certain group. They want to numb their pain or for whatever reason. And as we think about alcohol, I know what some of you are thinking. You're going, Pastor Chris, haven't you ever read the Bible? About mm, 27 times, maybe more. I don't know. But anyway, you're saying, doesn't, doesn't it say in John, the Gospel of John, that the very first miracle that Jesus did was turn water into wine? Yes, it does say that. And didn't the Apostle Paul, who wrote these very words, say to Timothy that you should take a little wine for your stomach? Yes, it does say that. Then why, Pastor Chris, are you saying that, well, that we should abstain from alcohol and other drugs? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm saying that because of the culture in which we live, and because the, the alcohol of Jesus' day and the alcohol of our day is very different. You say, how's that possible? Well, it's very possible because distillation was not invented till 700 AD by the Arabs who distilled water, but in 1100 AD, the Europeans figured out that they could distill alcohol, and instead of having one or 2% uh, content of alcohol in their drinks, they could have 20, 30, 50, 70, 90, even almost 100% alcohol. And so it took a little bit of effort to get drunk in Jesus' day. It doesn't take much effort to get drunk in our day. So there's a big difference between the alcohol of Jesus' day and the alcohol of our day. Now, the other thing is, just because of how our culture glorifies the use of alcohol. Turn on any sporting event, and if you watch the commercials, you're going to find out what this says right here. Pastor John Caldwell wrote these words in his article, To Drink or Not to Drink, and I think it's said so well. I, I couldn't say it better, so I'm just going to quote him. Ads for alcoholic beverages tout happiness, wealth, prestige, sophistication, success, maturity, athletic ability, virility, creativity, and sexual satisfaction. But these are the very things that alcohol abuse destroys. Proverbs 23, 31, and 32 says, Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down, for in the end it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. I've been a pastor for too long to stand up here and tell you drinking alcohol in moderation is a good thing to do. Because I've had women, I, I, I should say I've never had women come to me and say, Pastor Chris, my husband's been out all hours of the day and night not drinking alcohol and taking other drugs, and it's ruining our marriage. Never had that happen. I've never had somebody walk up to me and say, Pastor Chris, I've never had a drink, I've never taken a drug, and, and, and I, I, I think I need rehab. Never had that happen. But I've had the other thing happen many, many times where people's lives have been ruined because they started out drinking in moderation and ended up not. In fact, I just heard this quote last night. Never heard this quote before. Somebody that attended church last night said to me on the way out, he was at a funeral for his best friend who had died of a heroin overdose, and the pastors preaching the funeral said, what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. I don't know if that's always true, but I've seen it enough to know that it's true sometimes. And so... Some of you are still thinking, huh, I drink and I don't get drunk, so isn't it okay? Because it says if you get drunk with wine, it leads to not salvation, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What about a little social drinking? What a little, you know, a little glass of wine with my dinner? Are you telling me that's wrong? I'm not telling you it's wrong. 
I'm just telling you, it doesn't lead to salvation in the long run. And what I'm going to do is tell you a little thing that happened 28 years ago. I was golfing. I was a youth pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was golfing with a teenager from the youth group named Todd and with a senior citizen retired guy named Jack. It was about 95 degrees. It was hot and muggy. Cincinnati has a lot of those kind of days in the summertime. And we were about at the 18th green, and we had not seen a water fountain or cooler all along. So my throat was parched. It was one of those days where, you know, you couldn't even spit. You were so parched. And so Jack pulls out of his cooler a Coors Light. He said, would you like one? Now, at the time, I would not drink beer because I just don't like beer. But I, Nancy and I, uh, you know, Bartles and James, remember Bartles and James? They had come out with their coolers, and we thought, oh, those are pretty cool, actually. You know? So every now and then, we would sit down out on our porch, and we'd have a Bartles and James cooler. We did that for about, I don't know, three or four weeks, and then I got old, and we quit. But anyway, um, I, I was saying to myself, I am so thirsty, I think I'll just have a beer. So I opened up the beer, I drank it, and I'll be honest with you, it tasted very nice because going down, you know, my throat was parched, it tasted good, one sip of beer. And then Todd, whose, you know, tee shot had gone off in the weeds, finally made it up over the green, and Todd came up, he was 15 at the time, and Todd looked at me and he saw I had a can of something in my hand, he said, Chris, what is that? You know, and what, what am I going to do, put it in my shirt and go, oh, nothing. So I, I put it out like that, and he saw the silver bullet, and, and his face fell. And now, I didn't do anything wrong there. I was 28 years old. I had two sips of beer. Really, I drank a little about half the can and threw it away. Not, not a really big deal. Two years later, fast forward two years later, I'm sitting in my study, probably making, writing a message or something for youth group, and uh, I get buzzed by the office administrator. She says, Todd's mother, Karen's on the line. So I answered the phone, and Karen is crying so bad, I can't even recognize that it's her or what she's saying. I said, Karen, Karen, what's going on? She goes, oh, Chris, something terrible happened, something terrible happened. Can you come over? Can you come over? So I said, I'll be right there. They live 10 minutes away, so I, I drive over to the house. I get there, and as soon as I get to the door, I didn't even have to knock. She opens up the door, and there standing behind Karen is Bob, her husband. I had never seen Bob at home during the day. I spent a lot of times at the Williams house because the very first day I was in the ministry, um, the senior pastor went on vacation. That night I'm in bed. The phone rings at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's the senior pastor's son. And he said, Chris, do you know where Bethesda North is? I said, I don't even not know where Bethesda North is. I don't know what it is. He said, it's a hospital. Bob Williams is at Bethesda North Hospital. He had a heart attack. The guy was 47 years old. He thinks he's going to die. He wants to see the pastor. My dad's gone. Can you go? Welcome to the ministry. So I got up, got dressed, drove over there. It's 2 o'clock and 2.30, 2.45 in the morning. There in the waiting room is Karen and Todd and his older brother Scott and his older brother Mark. And I prayed with them and then I went right in to see Bob and there he was. And I mean, this guy was not very committed to Jesus at the moment, but he got real committed real quick. And he lived, obviously, because he was standing at the door, you know, a couple years later. But he lived and he became a very devoted follower of Jesus, but I had never seen the man at home during the day because he's a vice president at General Electric. Big, important guy. You know, and there he is standing, tears coming down his eyes, Karen sobbing, and, you know, she hugs me. She goes, Chris, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, what happened? And she said, Todd and his friends were out. Todd was driving. They were drinking. And, and before she could finish that sentence, my brain filled in the blank, and he was killed, and all, they were all killed. That isn't what happened. She said, and the police pulled them over. And inside I went, oh, yes, because I knew he was still alive. But she said, and the police pulled him over, and the policeman knew the boys and knew our families, and so he called all of us in to the police station, didn't arrest them or anything, just said, take these boys home and, and punish them the way you see fit. You take care of it. 
So since last night, we've been trying to figure out what to do, and we've been up all night, and you know, and inside I was, I was still going, oh, thank you, Jesus, Todd's alive. I said, where's Todd? She said, downstairs. I, so I went downstairs, and Todd was sitting on the exercise bike, and his eyes were, you know, red from tears, and his cheeks were swollen, and, and he looked at me, and he goes, man, I really screwed up. I said, yeah, you did. And I said, before I say anything else, I want to I say one thing. I said, two years ago when we were golfing and I had that Coors Light, I don't know if that had anything to do with this, but if it did, I apologize to you. And I promise you, you will never see me drink alcohol again. And then I said, now, second thing, I was 28 years old when I drank that beer. It was legal for me to do it. You're 17. You were driving after drinking. That was irresponsible, illegal, and stupid. I had the right to say that to the young man because I had spent a lot of time with his family. And he goes, I know. His head, you know, down. I know. He goes, what do you think my parents are going to do? I said, they're going to do whatever I tell them to do because they've already asked me 65 times, what are we going to do? And I said, he goes, well, what are you going to tell them? And I said, well, that depends on your answer to this question. Here's the question. Are you ever going to do this again before you're 21? He looked me square in the eye, and he said, no. And I said, okay. So I went upstairs. I said, Bob and Karen, the boys suffered enough. Show them your love and move forward. And they did. Now, I don't know if Todd kept his promise to me. I don't know. But I do know I kept my promise to Todd. Since that day, I've never drunk alcohol except when I'm in Cuba, when we take the Lord's Supper, because there's no grape juice in Cuba. There's only alcohol in the wine. I assume it's 1% or 2%, and I drink this much. So I've had four of those in the last 28 years. Now, you say, well, Pastor Chris, that's good for you. You're a pastor. You know, you should set that kind of example. But why do you think the rest of us should do that? Here's why I think the rest of you should do that. Because somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Could be your children. Could be your neighbor who's not a believer who wants to just find some reason to diss Christianity. It could be a lot of different things. And so I I exhort you to consider what I call now the Billy Graham position on alcoholic consumption. Billy Graham was asked many times over the years, do you think the Bible says it's wrong to drink alcohol? And he always said the same thing I already said. No, it's not. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong. But here's the thing. If Billy Graham goes out to dinner somewhere and he's sitting at dinner having a glass of wine with his dinner and somebody sees Billy Graham drinking a glass of wine, That person might say, well, Billy Graham drinks alcohol, so it must be okay to drink alcohol. And that person may not be able to drink responsibly. And so because of Billy Graham's alcoholic consumption, that person doesn't become a moderate drinker. That person becomes an alcoholic. And Billy Graham said, I will never be the cause of a weaker brother or sister to go astray. And so that's why I've held that position myself. It says, do not get drunk with wine in which is not salvation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, and that's what verse 18 is all about, then our lives are going to be radically different than they were without Jesus Christ in charge of our life, without the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm going to talk a lot about this in August or July, whenever we have that that message on this verse. But just let me say, it says be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a present passive imperative in the Greek, and that's very important. A present tense Um, imperative verb, it means it's ongoing. Be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again, not just once, but every single day, maybe every single moment. 
Be filled is a passive. That means it doesn't say fill yourself up. If, if you could fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit, we'd have a table out here in the gathering area after church. You would get a bottle, you know, and drink it, and then you'd go out living in, a, in the Holy Spirit. But you can't fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. But it says be filled, which is a passive. Open, and I, every time I say that, I go like this. Why do I do that? Because whenever I pray God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, I put my arms like this because I don't want you to leak. You know, if he's filling me, I want to be full. And then it's, a, it's an imperative. It means even though we can't do it, we have to. We, we have to yield ourselves so we can be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, then what's going to happen is we are going to be able to do things that nobody else can do. And I know some of you are still sitting here going, yeah, Chris, but I really like to have that beer after work. I really like to have that glass of wine, you know, and I'm, I'm never going to have a problem with it. And, and somebody came out of worship last night after, he goes, I disagree with you. I said, that's fine. You know, I, this is not a law. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in another place, all things are permissible for the believer, but not all things are profitable. And I'm talking about things that aren't profitable right now. So anyway, I, I want to say a word to two groups of people. To those who say, well, the Bible tells us, you know, not to get drunk with wine, but it doesn't mention marijuana. And isn't marijuana an herb? I really had this argument Okay, isn't marijuana an herb? You know, and doesn't the Bible say all herbs are good for us to use? Okay, so I said, okay, if we want to go there, you want to argue with me about the Bible, right? Okay, Genesis 3. Let's go to Genesis 3 where the sin has come into the world and it says God cursed the ground and all the, uh, when the ground was cursed, what happened? Weeds grew up. What's the most common name for marijuana? Weed. Right? It is. Weed. Okay, now am I saying that marijuana is evil? No, I'm not saying that marijuana is evil. It's a weed. It's not good for us. And when people say it's no worse than alcohol, it's like, really, we need to bring something else that's legal into our use that's not any worse than alcohol, which is responsible for 55% of the traffic deaths in the United States every year? Okay, I'm, I'm almost starting to preach. Okay, I'll quit. No. Marijuana is no better for you than alcohol. If it's no worse for you than alcohol, that's still not a good reason to use it. Let me ask you two serious questions. Number one, can you really seriously answer this question with a yes? I drink alcohol or do other drugs to glorify God. If you can answer that with a yes, by all means, keep doing it. Is drinking alcohol or using other drugs the wise thing to do? If you can answer yes to that question, by all means, keep doing it. Now I want to talk to everybody in the room who's under 21. I have been talking to you the whole time, but I especially want to talk to everybody in the room who's under 21 because I know something about you. The majority of you have already tried alcohol or some other drug. Statistically, the vast majority of you have already tried alcohol or some other drug. Maybe it hasn't caused a consequence in your life at this point. Maybe you haven't gotten in trouble to this point. Maybe the police haven't stopped you. Maybe nothing bad has happened. Something will. If you continue to use alcohol and other drugs throughout your high school years, statistically, one of every three of you will have a problem with sobriety the rest of your life. In other words, you'll be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Now, here's the thing. You're saying, well, Pastor Chris, you're like 79 years old. You've never been a teenager. Actually, I have. I was a teenager once, and when I was 15, I got drunk twice. A couple of my friends wanted to go out with some girls, 
and they thought it would be good to get drunk. That's not how they put it. They said, let's go out and have an ice cream. Okay, I like ice cream. And then when we got in the car and started driving, they said, well, do you want to get ice cream or beer? And I was like, ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the rest of them voted for beer. So since it was there, I drank it, and I got drunk. And then I did it one more time, and after the second time, I was 15 years old, I trusted Jesus when I was 12, which means I was a Christian, and I was drinking beer and getting drunk twice. And at that point, I made a decision when I woke up the next day. I had, I had to either choose my friends or choose Jesus. Because my friends, if I wanted to keep in that group of friends, were going to do that activity, and I had to do that activity to keep those friends. And if I wanted to keep those friends, you see the, the logic, right? So I made the decision to choose Jesus. And then I had to make a commitment because the decision was easy. The commitment was hard because then those people didn't want to hang out with me anymore. And they were older than me and they were the popular ones, you know. And I was sort of just tagging along and now I can't tag along because I'm not popular anymore. And I'm not, I don't even have any of their popularity. And so at that point, I just decided until I was 21 when it was legal, I wouldn't ever even think about drinking again. I have never regretted that decision. I don't know anybody who made that decision who has ever regretted that decision. Somebody came out of church after first service and said, when I was 15, I made the opposite decision, and I've regretted it the rest of my life. I continued to drink. I continued to be with the, and, I've, and it's impacted me the rest of my life. Young men and women in this room today, the decisions you make now don't just impact the rest of your life. They impact eternity. That's the truth. And the reason I'm sharing what I'm sharing today is because I love each and every one of you in this room, and I want what's best for you. We're talking about wise and careful living. Wise and careful living means, number one, if it means anything, it means to put Jesus Christ first in your life, and it means to live accurately and cautiously here and now. And the world is going to lie to you. They've lied to you every day of your life. Your friends are going to lie to you. And I hate to say this, but sometimes your parents are even going to lie to you. I've never sought to lie to you. I do my best not to. But when it comes to moderation, guess what? It's illegal for you to drink in moderation. And I don't know a teenager who drinks because it relaxes them. Teenagers drink to get drunk. If I'm wrong, I'd be willing to hear that, but I know I'm not. Teenagers drink to get drunk. Teenagers do drugs to get high. And I'm not judging you. I was one of you, and I drank to get drunk twice. Realized it was not wise and have never regretted and never looked back. So I urge you, I exhort you with everything I have. If you've never listened to anything your pastor ever said, listen to this. Because it will impact the rest of your life. Now, the key here is this. All of us want our lives to be full The reason we drink, the reason we do drugs is because we want to feel good. And what I always say is this, sin feels good until it doesn't. Sin feels really good until it doesn't. You know, if if you open a can of beer and you took the first drink and it tasted like a root canal, I bet you'd never take the second drink, right? If you, if you got a joint and you took a few puffs and it tasted like, oh, oh, you'd throw that thing away. 
But you see, sin feels good at first, and then it feels like a root canal. Doing the right thing feels like a root canal. I'll tell you what, when I couldn't hang out with those people anymore, it hurt. Because I wanted them to, I wanted them to look up to me. I wanted to at least accept me. And, and after that, you know, I'm getting two shins, I'm Christian. Yep, that's me. And there, you'll get that. You will. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy to follow Jesus. If it was easy to follow Jesus, he wouldn't have said it was a straight and narrow road. It's hard. But here's the thing. We all want to be full of something. Guess what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit? The, the book tells us if we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we get filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we get. Or you could be drunk or high. You can be filled with that, which then leaves you empty, which then you have to fill up again, which then leaves you empty, which then leads to not salvation at the end of the day. So, I beg you, I beg you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, people stand up to you and they say, just say no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just say yes. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit. Just say yes. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up, please. And whenever those people out there who say they're your friends tell you how good it feels, remember this. You can make that choice anytime. You can make that choice anytime, but once you've made that choice, sometimes the choices become limited. But I would encourage you, young and old alike, cradle to grave, the wise thing to do is to remember the wise get filled with the Holy Spirit and fools are filled with spirits. It's Father's Day. We've prayed for the fathers. We've given the fathers a gift. And now, fathers, I'm going to exhort you, be men. Be men. Be strong and courageous in a culture that's weak and filled with nothing. Show your children that you can change if you have already taken the wrong road or that you can continue strong if you're on the right road. Men, the world is watching us. You might not think so, but they are. So here's the commitment. It's not just for the men, but it's for everybody. I will let the Holy Spirit fill me daily this week. I should probably put, I will let the Holy Spirit fill me every minute this week. Because it's going to be hard to go out there in the world with every advertisement glorifying some kind of medication. It's interesting to me over the last five years how much it's changed. Used to be they just put the drugs out there and said, oh, this is good stuff going to happen. Now they have to tell you what the side effects are. The side effects of drugs aren't side effects. They're just effects. Undesired effects. And guess what the undesired effect of every drug is? Death. In rare cases. <laughs> okay. Rare cases. You might die. But that's Okay. Now, am I saying you should never take medication? Of course not. Last year when they took my appendix out, I was really glad for the medication. They put me under. I didn't want them pulling my appendix out with no medication. And some of you have diseases that require medication. But many of us don't have a disease, and so we certainly don't require medication. Okay? All right. That's enough for today. But before...
Wow, two weeks in a row. I never had anybody clap for my sermons, and now two times in a row. Pretty cool. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much that you have something better for us in your spirit than anything the world has to offer. I thank you that we can be filled with your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that you would pour your spirit into every person in this room. For anyone who walked in this room today without Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray right now that you would let them say, Jesus, come in, take over, be my Lord, be my master, my owner. Jesus, come in, be my Savior, save me from the sickness, from the disease of sin and anything else that's keeping me from life as you intended. And for the rest of us who have already said yes to Jesus, God, I pray, pour your spirit into us so that we can say yes to you every moment of every day. God, I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to follow you. But I pray that you'll give us courage, that you'll give us strength, that you will let us walk moment by moment, step by step beside you, and that we will encourage and challenge and correct each other as a family so that you may be glorified in our lives and so that people everywhere will know there is a God who has a son who loves us and whose power is greater than anything the world throws against us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.